The Week in Doubt, episode 352. Hey everyone, I'm Philip Anthony Albertelli, and this of course is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. Alright, so before we begin, I'd like to quickly take care of some Facebook shoutouts. We have Bob Doucette, Lorena novak D, Darren Moore, Gregoria Stanley, Danielle Turner, Klaus Bukowski, and Petra Burnett. And I think after that, I, I'm, you know, I recognize the name, so that must be where we uh, last left off. So thanks, everyone, for the new likes. Uh, it's very much appreciated. I think we're actually kind of stagnant there for a bit. I actually may have even uh, lost a couple of likes. Uh, what the? I'm like, what's that? That's my dog. My chihuahua is in the room with me. And, um, yeah, she's on, like, two different heart medications. And uh, she still has this kind of unsettling cough. Right, Olive? What's going on? Okay. So I am going to cover a few coronavirus uh, stories in this episode, but don't worry, I'm going to take it or try to keep the mood light because I know everyone's probably, if anything, looking for a little, you know, temporary escape from being constantly inundated with news about the virus and having to, uh, you know, worry about all the all the precautions we have to take, etc., and wondering when life is going to return to normal. So I am going, you know, touch on it, but like I said, I'm going to try to keep things kind of light and humorous. And speaking of the coronavirus, White Claw virus, Jack Daniels, Country Cocktail virus, Zima virus... Remember Zima? Uh, I know it's not named after the drink. Come on. But uh, but actually, I think it's called the coronavirus because under, under an electron microscope, I believe it appears it's spherical looking with a series of protuberances around it that almost give it a, a kind of halo effect similar to, uh, you know, the sun's corona or something like that. Uh, corona from the, uh, I want to say Latin, uh, for, uh, for wreath or crown. Kind of reminds me of one of those round dog toys with the little rubber bumps all over them. Anyway, where was I? Oh yeah, so, speaking of the virus, right before I sat down to record, and this is like the third time it's happened to me, uh, I'll spend like 45 minutes on like a grocery or supermarket website with the uh, the plan to have it delivered to my place. And, you know, I, I get kind of really into it. I start looking forward to actually, you know, consuming all the groceries I'm picking out. So, yeah, like 40 minutes or something. Then you get to the very end, and it's like, oh, sorry, no time slots available. <laughs> you know, then you keep going back, still no slots available. Um, I was just venturing out, like, once a week to do my grocery shopping in person. Does that sound weird? In person. Um, <laughs> at your local supermarket. But, you know, I'm not trying to scaremonger. You know, uh, what I said in the last episode still holds true, I think. Um, most most of us, that, kind of, that sounds kind of grim. Most of us will be all right. Some of us might not make it through. But, um... You know, just given the seriousness of the uh, 
of the virus and that more and more cases are popping up in Massachusetts. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll just play it safe and have groceries delivered. And I expected there to be, you know, some delays, uh, some difficulty having groceries delivered due to just this kind of unprecedented uh, strain, you know, so many people staying inside and opting to have, uh, you know, things delivered to them. And it, yeah, it's crazy. Just you can see the effect it's had on uh, Amazon. And like I was saying with, you know, all these different supermarkets, you know, usually it'd be easy peasy, you know, order something from Amazon. Uh, it gets to your house in two days, sometimes even sooner. Amazon Fresh is uh, under normal conditions, supposed to be like uh, within two hours, you know, like a two hour delivery window. So this is nuts. I've even noticed with non-food items, uh, it seems to be just having an effect on Amazon Prime in general, uh, just because all this, you know, all this crazy unprecedented demand. I did have a little bit of luck with Amazon Prime Pantry, though. Prime Pantry is, you know, it's similar to Amazon Fresh, except they only deliver kind of, uh, you know, like dry goods. Um, you know, some household essentials and uh, foodstuffs that, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, expiring anytime soon, like cookies, crackers, uh, breakfast cereal, um, soft drinks, stuff like that. And I did place a prime pantry order, and I think they're just trying to, you know, play it safe by not giving an optimistic... Uh, estimation of when it will get to you. So I ordered it like a week ago or something, and it said it wouldn't arrive till like April 2nd. And then it came early. I only had to wait like a few days for it. So that might be something you want to think about if you're also struggling to find, you know, a place that will actually deliver to you, you know? Um, yeah, it's just crazy. So I, th I went to like Stop and Shop's Peapod. I almost said Peapad. My dog uses Peapads. Um, yeah, the, the Peapod website there. And it's like even a, a week out, it's just all the all the delivery slots are taken. I tried like Shaw's and they want you to create an account, but no matter how elaborate, of a password you try. I even did like that thing where you let, uh, you know, Apple choose a, a really elaborate password for you. And no matter what you type in, it would say the password was already taken. And I think maybe, you know, they're, they're just probably overwhelmed by all the, uh, the demand and website traffic or whatever. Um, yeah, and then Wegmans. I tried Wegmans and, you know, picked out all the food I wanted. Uh, like I said before, like an idiot spent like 45 minutes. And then you get to the very end and you're hoping against hope that they're going to have a slot open. Nope, no, no available <laughs> openings. So uh, I was talking to a family member and they uh, actually got lucky. And, you know, they just kept going back every once in a while and refreshing the page. And they finally... Uh, you know, just stumbled upon a, an open delivery window or whatever. But like, what a boring episode. I'm like seven minutes in and I'm talking about Amazon Prime Pantry and shit. Oh my God.
And I had something else I was going to mention, uh, you know, concerning the virus. And I said, you know, at the top of the show, I was going to try to keep this, you know, kind of light. Uh, and this definitely isn't light, but, you know, I'll try to uh, deliver the news in my usual kind of uh, silly, self-deprecating way. Um, yeah, so I had the file for unemployment. It's pretty crazy. So, like... A week ago now, uh, we were finishing up one job. You know, I, I work for my family's uh, construction business. Well, technically general contracting business, home remodeling, that kind of thing. Actually, my father's retired, so I pretty much work for one of my older brothers who, uh, you know, took over the business. And uh, we are wrapping up one job, set to start a new one and uh, in Newton, Mass., and so that morning, you know, I'm driving to the job uh, and it was really weird. It was airy because, you know, the highway was so empty. Uh, usually to get from my town to Newton, because we do a lot of jobs in Newton, um, with the bumper to bumper traffic, it can take like almost an hour sometimes. And there was like almost no one else on the highway, you know, just very sparse. You know, here and there you'd see like a few other cars. It kind of reminded me of uh, The Walking Dead, you know, where uh, Rick wakes up and you know, all the highways are just airily empty and everything, you know. But, um, yeah, so it only took me like 15 minutes to get to, to the job site. Well, I almost got to the job site. And there was something almost kind of ominous in his tone. My brother called me on my cell phone and I know here in Massachusetts, they're starting to really clamp down on people driving while uh, talking or whatever. And um, they've actually made it a law that you, if you're going to talk while driving, it has to be hands-free. And uh, and I, I used to get kind of just like anxious when someone would uh, call me anyway. Uh, well, you know, especially while I'm on the highway because I just, I don't want anything distracting me. Uh, I've never felt comfortable talking while driving, you know, but I'm like, oh, I guess I have to pick it up. And he's like, Phil, are you listening to the radio? And I'm like, yeah. And I meant I'm listening to music. He goes, they're shutting everything down. I, I think they're shutting everything down. And I'm like, oh, you meant like news radio. <laughs> no, I'm like, I didn't hear anything about it. And it, it really sounded like kind of ominous, like you know, like dialogue you would hear in some kind of uh, apocalyptic uh, dystopian sci-fi movie about, you know, like the end of the world or something uh, or some kind of, you know, viral pandemic. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was really kind of airy. And he told me I better turn around and file for unemployment, you know, right away as soon as I get home. Uh, crazy stuff. And, you know, my father built this business up from scratch. And so he has a lot of history dealing with building departments and, you know, town halls and all that stuff. So he talked with my brother and he was saying there's still a chance that, you know, what we're doing, you know, construction or remodeling might get by as an essential service. So there might not necessarily be a mandate that our type of business has to shut down, you know. But then on top of that, the, it was going to be a kitchen remodel. The 
plumbers we were going to use, this is pretty wild, turns out at their last job, their last residential job or whatever, they were work, doing work for a couple. And it turns out that both of them, uh, the wife and husband, tested positive for the virus. So that's pretty crazy. So that was an extra thing that was, uh, even if we were allowed to go forward with the work, that kind of threw a kind of monkey wrench in the gears, you know? So it's pretty crazy. So yeah, I, I had to file for unemployment, which sucks because you get less than half of what would be your usual weekly pay. So that blows. And uh, what else was I going to say? Oh yeah, the only other time, you know, I've been working since my late teens, and the only other time I ever had the file for unemployment was for a brief period back during the you know that great recession of uh, what was it two thousand eight? Um, yeah, because you can imagine, you know, people are really trying to save their money, so there's not going to be a high demand for people spending, you know, large sums of money to have, uh, you know, work done on their homes. Um, yeah, and I think that might have lasted a few weeks. Uh, that that was the only other time since I've been, you know, in the workforce that I ever had to do that. And it's funny, this just came back to me because I kind of half-jokingly mentioned uh Mentioned, you know, like dystopian futures, uh, the apocalypse or whatever. Apocalypse from the Greek to reveal, I think. But uh, anyway, so recently, and I may have mentioned this on the last episode, I can't remember. Uh, I had been talking to a, one of my best friends slash bandmate, um, one of the guitarists. I still say my band or our band, even though we haven't practiced in, you know, uh, several years now. Um, and we were just having this back and forth discussion via Facebook Messenger. And I remember saying, and we're talking about how crazy this whole thing is. I remember saying to him that for some reason, if something else big were to happen, you know, I thought it would be like another massive terror attack, some kind of 9-11 scale thing or something like that. Um, or maybe even as kind of extreme or over the top as this might sound, possibly something like a nuclear exchange. And we can remember, you know, in the recent past, not that long ago, there were concerns about whether or not North Korea could possibly... Yeah, reach the U.S. or whatever, but for some reason, I d I wasn't really afraid of some kind of global pandemic because I felt like for some weird reason, uh, maybe just complacency, I don't know, or hubris or whatever, uh, I you know arrogance or whatever. I thought that now nah, we we didn't have to worry about you know, some kind of viral pandemic or whatever. I just didn't see that happening. It seemed too kind of 28 days later-ish, you know, there's all those sci-fi movies about like uh, apocalyptic um, scenarios where a, a virus sweeps the globe or whatever. So I never really, well, for some reason, I never really thought, and I'm not saying I think that's what's going to happen. I think this thing is eventually going to run its course or we're going to get it under control to the point where we can start to live our normal lives again, you know, hopefully sooner than later. You know what I mean? 
but history is full of cases of you know pandemics or whatever and eventually we do kind of you know get them under control and life goes on so i'm not saying i think it's going to you know be this completely catastrophic nightmare type of thing but yeah this is the first time in a while where i think we've had our complacency really you know shooken up or whatever uh by um by a disease or you know a pandemic like this um yeah so it, it kind of took me by surprise even though it probably should you know in in recent history we've had things like aids ebola sars uh this is the first time in a long time like i think i said in the last episode you know i'm old enough to remember um when aids was at its peak and the, the hysteria the hysteria the way it way it changed our way of life where people were afraid to shake hands and things like that this is like yeah so this is the first thing on that kind of scale um that i can remember in a very long time and i think even with aids you know that didn't keep people inside where people were afraid to do food shopping or or whatever you know so yeah kind of wacky times uh but like i said i think we should just try to take logical precautions for ourselves and for others but while we're doing that we should try not to let it you know really get to us or threaten or disrupt our well-being probably easier said than done i know but you know we should try to keep things in perspective and enjoy the downtime i've been trying to put you know a kind of positive spin on this i've even tried to you know been looking at this way that this downtime can be like a transformational period for me where I can try to, you know, maybe accomplish some stuff that I usually don't have time to work on or kind of, um, including the show, you know, I can do more with the show and, you know, as cliche as it might sound, you know, I can take this time to kind of work on myself, so to speak, you know what I mean? So it's kind of good that way. The, uh, fact that my income might be uh more than slashed in half for uh, <laughs> the foreseeable future I don't know, i'm hoping that you know that's not good obviously but i'm hoping that maybe you know if my brother gets things worked out with the situation with the plumbers uh you know maybe the um Maybe the building department will say, hey, you know, it's a go. You can do it. That uh, hopefully this unemployment thing won't last for too long, you know. But let's get into some topics. And this first one is just kind of fun and silly. I remember I had uh, the video going on my computer, uh, but the sound was muted. And it was just this these random videos that were being uh you know, played that were in a queue or whatever. And I saw what appeared to be an empty toilet paper tube receiving a kind of pharaonic burial. A toilet paper tube with a face drawn on it being like slid inside a little cardboard pyramid. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I looked into it. And supposedly there's this mother who's been kind of embarrassing her son by posting these videos of providing these kind of elaborate burial rituals for empty toilet paper tubes because, you know, everyone's obsessing over uh, toilet paper or whatever. Um, It's actually pretty funny. And 
for the YouTube version, I'll try to see if I can, you know, capture the embedded video so you can see what, uh, what I'm referencing. Um, but it's pretty funny. So she did like a Viking burial, a funeral pyre, like I said, a kind of pharaonic burial. Uh, so just like funny, lighthearted stuff. I thought that was pretty funny. And, um, here's, uh, this uh, site called Radio.com covered it. Mom embarrasses son with videos of toilet paper funerals for empty rolls. With people stocking up on toilet paper across the country, one woman is making sure each roll gets its recognition for all the essential work they're doing amid the coronavirus pandemic. After going through a round of toilet paper, Jacqueline Larson isn't just discarding cardboard the, the cardboard roll in the trash like a barbarian. No, Larson has decided to thank the roll for its service by honoring the bathroom essentials with a proper funeral and burial. In one clip, card, a cardboard cylinder with a face drawn on it is removed from its holder and wrapped in toilet paper. The mummified roll is then placed in a cardboard sarcophagus replete with hieroglyphics and a drawn image of an ancient pharaoh on the outside. The sarcophagus is then laid to rest inside a cardboard pyramid for all eternity. Hey everyone, I'm back. I actually didn't start recording last night till like, uh, I don't know, it might have been around midnight or one or something. So I finally uh, surrendered to sleep and uh, decided to continue it the next day, today. Uh, so yeah, so it's Sunday the 29th. And uh, there is a little bit of good news. While I was lying in bed, you know, before I actually fell asleep, uh, I'm like, let's try to order groceries one more time. And so this might have been like two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning. I don't know. But I was finally, yeah, I was finally able to order groceries via Instacart from both Wegmans and Market Basket. So I guess sometimes it kind of pays to be, uh, you know, like a dysfunctional neurotic night owl. The bad news is that both orders are projected to not get here until Friday. Hey, but at least they're ordered, you know? And I have cereal and yakisoba noodles and non-dairy ice cream and lots of other crap to keep me going for the time being. Okay, so I remember I already covered the uh, toilet paper burials or whatever uh, last night. And so here's another story. And like I said, I'm going to try to keep it light. And it is a serious topic, but it's also so absurd. You know, it's kind of uh, inappropriately humorous. And there's a, a lot of disturbing stories like this coming out. You know, just stupid, immature people uh, putting other people at risk. This one is from an ABC affiliate, and uh, it's... Uh, entitled, Woman Accused of Twisted Prank Coughing on Produce in Grocery Store, Loss of 35000 Worth of Goods. Police do not believe the Pennsylvania woman had the coronavirus, but she was tested as a precaution. And uh, this is kind of scary. Maybe it will explain it further down. I don't know if she's a nurse or something, a healthcare professional, but looks like she's wearing blue scrubs in the uh, photo. Let's see. A woman is facing criminal charges for purposely coughing on fresh food inside an area grocery store. 
Police in Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, filed charges Thursday morning against Margaret Serco, I think it is, age 35, of Hanover Township. Did I just dox her? Sorry, man. Uh, she is facing charges of criminal mischief, disorderly conduct, retail theft, and terroristic threats. Wow. District Judge Joseph Halsey told Serco the charges she's up against while she was inside a police vehicle. Police say Serco went into the Gerardy's or Garrity's store along the San Su Is it Suchi or Suchi? You guys know I'm horrible with pronunciations. Uh, here we go. Parkway near Natacoke or Natacoke. I don't know what that is. It looks like it's probably um, a Native American name. Um, Wednesday afternoon where workers say she intentionally coughed on racks of fresh produce, bakery items, and the meat case. According to arrest papers, Serco said, I have the virus. Now you're all going to get sick before coughing on the food displays. And so, yeah, like I said, she's wearing blue scrubs in the picture or the embedded video. But I don't know if she's a, a medical professional or uh, what the deal is. Unless she like stripped naked and ran around coughing on everything and they had to put her, put some clothes on her. Now, I don't know. It's pretty weird. It also looks like she's wearing a plastic band around her wrist, the type you'd get in a hospital or something. So I don't know. Yeah. And so it's talking about how, you know, they basically thought the wisest thing to do would be to just throw away all the potentially contaminated food. And yeah, the loss is estimated at more than 35000 including organic produce, bakery items, and meats, as well as employees sanitizing the shelves. So yeah, I don't know. You either have to be incredibly immature or just, you know, completely lacking in consideration, you know, <laughs> just, I, I don't know. Um, Obviously, I was talking about how this has affected me. And, you know, as an anecdotal example, I've had trouble trying to procure groceries. And so these places are already struggling to meet the really increased demand caused by the uh, by this uh, virus and the surrounding fear and precautions that need to be taken and everything. And then you have people like this making it even worse and this perfectly good food that ends up going to waste, you know? I don't know. Maybe there's a chance that she's actually mentally ill or has some kind of, you know, mental or mood disorder or something, um, I, or just really emotionally mature and starved for attention or lashing out at, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. And then this is just batshit crazy Darwin Award shit, man. There's something called the, uh, coronavirus toilet challenge or something like that. Um, and you know, why I started recording today, I was under the impression that it was only one person who had done this, but I guess it really has taken off. I was going to say viral, no pun intended, a kind of viral challenge where a number of people kind of social media influencers, I think I almost said influencers, which actually would have been somewhat clever. But of course, this isn't just influenza. This is uh, specifically the COVID-19 virus or whatever. Um, yeah, so this is from the New York, oh no, the Miami Herald News. 
Model who licked toilet seat in coronavirus challenge is unbothered by outrage. In the clip, the New Jersey native wearing sunglasses on her head leans down, licks the seat generously as if it were ice cream, then gives the peace sign. And then there's so many different results here. New York Post influencer says he has coronavirus days after licking toilet. Uh, so if they if it wasn't for you know the fact that they're putting innocent people at risk, you know, through their I, I mean if we don't know he necessarily got it directly from the toilet could be coincidence, but the fact that he was willing to to expose himself to this and then you know nonchalantly going about his business and, and exposing others, uh, it's yeah it's shitty and stupid, um, yeah and then that same woman. That was mentioned, you know, <laughs> licking the toilet seat generously in that video. And I'll see if I, I don't know if you guys necessarily want it, but I'll see if for the YouTube version, if I can uh, put a photo <laughs> or, uh, you know, capture a bit of video for you guys. <laughs> um, and the same woman, I guess, says that she wants to cough on Dr. Phil now. Um Wow, here's another story. This is from Yahoo News. Man arrested for allegedly coughing on grocery worker. And I think this is this article is referring to the same woman. A TikToker licked an airplane toilet seat for clout. <laughs> Jesus, man. So I just uh, left the computer for a moment and I, I just noticed the news saying that Instacart shoppers are planning a massive nationwide strike tomorrow. Um, wow. Both my both my groceries that I mentioned earlier, both my deliveries, are supposed to be coming via Instacart. And uh, I get it. I mean, part of it is they fear for their own safety because I guess they're not getting, like, the masks and gloves they need. And they're kind of, like, on the front lines in the sense that they actually have to go into the, the supermarkets. They have to go to, uh, you know, doors and deal with people who may or may not be, you know, infected or whatever. So, yeah, I get it, but I, I'm st nevertheless, I'm still kind of pissed and bummed out. And this scares me. You know, in the sense that people were already having trouble, you know, acquiring groceries. Uh, and at least, you know, at least we had things like Instacart, you know, that could bring groceries to our doors for us. And if, if, they, if they just strike, you know, this is going to make groceries that much harder to acquire. And it's kind of scary because does this mean that people actually might be going without food? You know, um, I mean, you, you can still, of course, you know, chance it and go to the supermarket like I did a couple of times. Uh, but, you know, new cases keep popping up and a trip to a gro to a grocery store, even, you know, during the kind of off hours, like I would usually wait till late at night. Uh, so, you know, there'd most likely be less people and there's still always people. So you're mixing and mingling, you know, um, no matter how hard you try. Like I was when I was shopping, I was trying to keep like a good dis distance from everyone else. 
But you know, you're still inside this, uh, this, no matter how spacious a grocery store might be, you're still in the confines of this one building uh, with, uh, you know, a good deal of other uh, homo sapiens <laughs> breathing in each other's air and everything and probably touch, you know, touching products on the shelf that other people have touched. And I always try to use the self-checkout, but, you know, it seems kind of extra risky if you actually have to deal with a, uh, a cashier because, you know, you're face to face with another person, money's changing hands, stuff like that. Um, and who knows, you know, so if you go grocery shopping, you could be exposing yourself or you could be taking the chance that if you're a carrier and you don't know it, you're asymptomatic, you could be exposing other people and putting them at risk. You know what I mean? So this is kind of crazy. I, I mean, I get from the point of view of the Instacart workers, I mean, I totally get it. Uh, it makes sense that they would be concerned about their own you know, safety and health. Uh, and not just them, I'm sure all of them have families and friends. And so if they get infected, they could possibly, you know, be exposing uh, the nearest and dearest, you know. Um, so I get that. And also, I don't know if maybe they might be striking for, you know, higher pay while they're at it. And obviously, striking at a critical time when you're really needed I think that probably increases your leverage, you know what I mean? But I don't know if they're concerned with pay or not. Um, but it seems like, for the most part, it's about coronavirus protections. And just to keep it real, man, I don't know if how soon that, that will get re resolved, you know, because medical professionals are having trouble acquiring needed supplies like uh, masks, etc., um, and, uh, I was listening to the news earlier and they were talking about, you know, doctors at hospitals in some cases actually covering themselves with, uh, plastic trash bags because, you know, their, their medical gowns or, uh, whatever, um, they're in short supply of those. So if doctors are having trouble getting their hands on masks and gloves, I don't know how, uh, you know, just realistically how these Instacart employees, how they're going to, you know, acquire those kinds of uh, supplies. I thought it was pretty cool. I heard that people were actually using 3D printing to help uh, create masks. Uh, that's, and, and, you know, donating them or whatever. That is really cool. And that kind of, it's almost like we're on the way to, uh, you know, the replicator <laughs> on, on Star Trek. Um Wow, so that's that's pretty cool. But I don't know. I hope all this gets resolved. And I was just thinking, uh, you know, it's funny because, because of the nature of my work, you know, working for the family remodeling business, we're always tearing apart walls and working with insulation, uh, mixing up batches of cement where like cement dust gets kicked up in the air. So it's, it's just part of our daily thing or whatever, you know, to wear... Uh, the little 3M masks that you can buy at a, you know, a building supplier or whatever, or a hardware store. So I have like some used ones of those in my car. And I also have two used like respirator things. So I'm like ready, ready for the Mad Max uh, wasteland. Um, yeah. <laughs> if they weren't used, I would, I would donate any masks I had. It's funny because, you know, 
just I think about all the times I've taken it for granted how easy it is it was to get those masks. Um, whenever I'd go to the lumber yard for my brother or whatever, he'd be like, oh, I'll pick up some masks. And it'd be like a whole four foot, you know, display of different masks and ventilators and stuff. Uh, I don't know if ventilator, uh, that's, I'm probably using that. Maybe I mean respirator, but you know, not just the disposable kind of cloth like masks, but the, uh, the, the rubberized ones that have like the, um, the discs on the sides that filter the air or whatever. And here's a, you know, I included this link in my, my notes. This is a completely unscripted episode, as you can probably tell. But I did, you know, I, I kind of collected, uh, curated a bunch of links to, uh, you know, stories I wanted to talk about. This is from Fox 5. Uh, I don't know, you know, which specific affiliate this is, where it is. But it says, uh, police investigate disturbing video of teens coughing on produce. Purcellville or Purcellville of Virginia. Police in Virginia are warning of a quote unquote disturbing trend after a group of teens were caught on camera coughing on produce at a grocery store, then posting it on social media. This all comes amid the growing coronavirus pandemic, which continues to spread across the United States and around the world. And here's a quote. We have learned that this appears to be a disturbing trend on social media across the country. And we ask for help from parents to discourage this behavior immediately. Purcellville or Purcellville police said in a Facebook post Thursday. And so like this, as well as some of the other stuff I was talking about, the people licking the toilet seats, coughing on... Per- this this reminds me of like young edgelord stuff. And uh, I can speak from personal experience. I was a teenage uh, edge lord long before the term edge lord was coined. You know what I mean? I was uh, kind of the type of person that kind of liked to lash out at society and do stupid stuff because I thought it was cool and rebellious or whatever. Um, yeah, don't do it, man. It's it's just stupid and shitty. And at the end of the day, it just makes you look fucking dumb. Okay, so here's a story from. The Friendly Atheist. And it's by Hemant Maida himself. Ignoring virus in Illinois church held services. Now most of the congregation is sick. On March 15th, when COVID-19 concerns were well established in Illinois, the Life Church in Glenview, just north of Chicago, held a large event anyway. 80 people were present for an out-of-town speaker. That sounds weird, like I never encountered the phrase out of town before. Uh, 80 people were present for an out-of-town speaker. Okay, now 43 of those worshipers are sick, including the pastor. And 10 of them have tested positive for the coronavirus, including the speaker who is currently hospitalized. And I have to admit, I was really ready to just tear into these people, you know what I mean? Because I thought we'd hear a lot of uh, stuff about... Oh, God is going to keep us safe. He won't let us get sick or whatever. You know, it's something like that. But um, it actually sounds like the pastor, at least going by this one statement, that it wasn't that he necessarily thought God was going to keep everyone safe. He was just kind of, you know, complacent and um, not as informed as he should have been. Uh, And it seems like, like... He seems like a somewhat reasonable guy. So it says, Pastor Anthony Lacaccio, who has been pastor at the Life Church for 11 years, said he thought about whether to hold the service, 
but at the time the number of confirmed COVID-19 cases was low and a stay-at-home order had not yet been imposed. Plus, he had an out-of-town speaker coming. We had a guest speaker. We were promoting it, he said. We made the announcement, if you're sick, stay home. We didn't know. No one knew. So, it seems like he's not so blinded by, you know, superstition or whatever that he would completely ignore, you know, common sense precautions. He did tell people, you know, if you're sick, stay home. But, obviously, like I said, you know, um, you know, you could argue that he was irresponsible, that he should have erred on the side of caution, and maybe he didn't do his due diligence um, in regard to, you know, researching uh, the, uh, the nature of this virus and what kind of, you know, precautions should be taken. Um, but I'm actually, for some weird reason, I'm kind of strangely relieved that at least he admits that, you know, if someone's sick, they should stay home. You know, I mean, so he recognizes that viruses are real and that, uh, you know, that Sky Daddy can't protect you from them necessarily. You know, so that's kind of refreshing in a weird way. I really did expect like a whole bunch of uh, superstitious religious mumbo jumbo people, you know, stupidly claiming that God could, you know, that God would shield them from the virus. Okay, then there was one last thing. I was going to talk about, and don't worry, I'm not pushing veganism on anyone. I'm not even, you know, fully vegan or whatever yet. Uh, but I posted a couple of videos from this guy on the Weekend Out Facebook page. So this cool dude actually uh, has, bears kind of an uncanny resemblance to Henry Cavill. Uh, there's this like charismatic vegan dude named uh, James Aspie. And he has a couple of videos on his YouTube channel that kind of fall into the wheelhouse of atheism. And I think often, you know, there's this kind of intersection of atheism and veganism. Just tends to be the case that a lot of people who are vegan are also kind of, you know, atheistic or whatever. And so this guy, James Aspie, he, like myself, you know, pretty much believes that religions are just man-made belief systems. Um that there's no validity to the supernatural faith claims of any of the, you know, the world's religions or whatever. Um, so I, th and he pretty much, you know, kind of comes across like a hardcore atheist when he's talking about Christianity or whatever, thinks the Bible's basically just an ancient book of, uh, you know, fables or whatever. Um, and he isn't, you can tell he's a bit into Eastern philosophy or at least meditation, but you can actually, you can be into, like myself, you can be into Eastern philosophy and meditation without taking any of the uh, the supernatural baggage, literally. You know what I mean? Uh, I think just uh, meditation, just uh, things like meditation and yoga, they do have spiritual associations. Um, but in and of themselves, you don't have to believe in any kind of higher power or anything and, and you can use them as kind of tools to better yourself like yoga is a good form of exercise uh, meditation I think is can be you know beneficial for your health or your mental health your stress levels things like that and so it was interesting I think these two videos that I posted on Facebook were actually 
related. The first one shows him kind of, he's on stage giving a lecture about veganism and he's confronted by a Christian in the audience and he goes back and forth and uh, he thought in retrospect that he kind of lost his cool. I thought uh, he handled himself well and I thought he made some really good points and it didn't bother me that you could tell he was kind of worked up, you know. I thought he had a right to be kind of passionate about uh, the points he was making. And um, afterwards, like in retrospect, he posted another video where he kind of apologizes for losing his cool and whatnot. And uh, I think it's kind of been a while, but I used to mention theodicy a lot on this show. And theodicy basically um, means, you know, trying to reconcile the iniquity and suffering in the world with the idea of a good God, you know? And the horror of the food chain is something I've cited a lot for, uh, you know, I don't see a good God behind all of this, you know, nature, red and tooth and claw. And as I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, I've mentioned in the last couple episodes, talked about how, yeah, you know, nature, evolution, it's kind of a mixed bag. There's lots of examples of cruelty and horrific carnage, but there's also examples of group solidarity, animals with social structures, even animal altruism and that kind of thing, you know. And it's funny, once again, not trying to push veganism on you, but these are like the thought, even while, you know, I was regularly eating meat with, you know, something of a guilty conscience. This is something I used to think of. Um, you know, it seems like people will often argue for the case that we should be eating meat because it's, it's justified by the uh, food chain, the survival of the fittest and all that. And they'll even, you know, kind of invoke Darwin or whatever. And it's funny, like Darwin himself seem to be rather bothered by the kind of cruelty and, you know, just the indifferent suffering, nature, red and tooth and claw of like the animal kingdom or whatever. And I think he used to talk about, uh, is it the Ecumenidae, this kind of uh, parasitic insect or whatever. And he'd talk about how much he was bothered by examples like that. And it seems kind of weird to me that people would try to invoke the food chain as a justification, as a justification, I say justifier, <laughs> as a justification for eating meat. Um, when it seems to me, it feels like we almost have a kind of moral duty because of our level of cognizance, how fully aware we are of the horror of the food chain, you know, to kind of, if we want to, if we want to be compassionate and ethical beings that to, to say, holy shit, there's something wrong here, man. There is something off. There is so much uh, suffering and iniquity in the natural world that instead of saying, hey, it's just the nature of things, you know what I mean? To say we, we as a species have be, kind of woken up from the nightmare of, of all this carnage and able to see the, uh, all the, the cruelty and iniquity baked into the cake of the food chain or whatever and say, I don't want to take part in that anymore, you know? And so, yeah, there's this kind of weird reasoning people seem to employ where they're like, you know, tough shit. 
other animals rip each other apart in the wild. Why shouldn't we? And I think the way I voiced it one time, um, I kind of said that, like, you know, if a lion or some kind of predatory animal was as self-aware as we are, as capable of self-reflection as we are, and still said, you know, screw it, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, antelope just tastes too damn good. I'm not going to stop. And of course, you know, some a some animals like lions, you know, cats, canine, they're pretty much obligate carnivores. Um, their digestive sy systems and whatnot are, you know, different than ours. They, they pretty much, they need to eat meat. Um, some, of course, supplement their diets with, with other things in the wild, some like plants, berries, stuff like that. Um, but you know the, the point I'm trying to make. If an animal was as self-aware as we are and is capable of you know, deep self-reflection whatnot as we are, and they could find uh, the nutrition they need in alternate sources, but they still chose to rip other animals apart because they enjoyed the taste. You'd say there's something kind of, you know, morally off there or whatever. And in fairness to religious people, I've often, you know, I've tried to make the point that I think whether you're a non-believer or you're a religious person, you can kind of spin it either way. You know, if you're a religious person, you can say, well, God put these animals here as resources for us. So we have dominion over them. You know, we're the crown of creation. We can do what we want, you know. Um, but at the same time, you could say, well, these animals are God's creation. He wants us to be good stewards of the earth. He wants us to be kind to these animals, even though we're using them as resources or whatever. Like I said, there, there are actually Christian vegetarians and vegans. And I've mentioned before on the show how I think there's even parts of the Bible that seem to emphasize or encourage kindness to animals, like the story of Balaam and the donkey, the fact that it seems like, you know, in the Garden of Eden or, um, you know, even prior to the flood, that people re weren't intended to eat animals that uh, it was we we're supposed to live in kind of peaceful harmony with animals and recognize them as fellow creations of God. You know what I mean? Uh, but then it's uh, after the flood, there seems to be this kind of concession or compromise where God reluctantly says he will allow people to eat, you know, animal flesh or whatever. Uh, but I think it James Aspie was making the point that there doesn't seem to be any religion that strictly says you have to eat meat. You know what I mean? And there's, you know, there's several reasons why I doubt the existence of a higher power or an afterlife or whatever. Uh, definitely uh, doubt the existence of a benevolent or good and moral, you know, personal creator God or whatever. Um, you know, and, and you know, theodicy and all that. Uh, it's hard for, for me to kind of try to reconcile the existence of a just God with the uh, suffering and iniquity we see in the world and, you know, in, in the natural world. And of course, you know, often um, Christians specifically will say, well, this is because of original sin. This is because of us. We're kind of bad and dirty, you know. Uh, it's our fault that everything went south and that the world is 
as it is. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm like, no, that makes God look even worse. It's like <laughs> the idea that the reason why there's all this suffering in the world is because two people ate the wrong kind of fruit. And now all of us are paying for that. You know what I mean? Where the hell is the justice or, you know, morality in that? It's like as if God was like, you know, this really was going to be this really chill world where all the animals, you know, chilled out together. And, <laughs> you know, but since you ate that piece of fruit, man, I'm going to have all these different animals fucking rip each other the shreds, uh, you know, tearing each other's entrails out. And, uh, you know, where the hell is the morality in that? That's like... That would be a complete, you know, moral abomination or whatever. But there is one thing in particular that really stayed with me from watching James Aspie spar with that Christian in the audience. And he said, he said it kind of beautifully and concisely, I'm paraphrasing him. But he said, if God intended animals to be food, why make them sentient? You know what I mean? I'm like... Yeah, and that kind of, you know, ties in with what I was just saying. Why would a good and just God make our food capable of fear and suffering, uh, pain, you know what I mean? And there, you know, there are people out there. And I, this is one of my pet peeves. I fucking, sorry for all the F-bombs. I hate this argument. When people try to justify meat-eating, or, you know, the, the cruel treatment of animals by saying, oh, animals don't feel pain. I'm not even sure how aware they are. And I think from, you know, an evolutionary standpoint, it's like even ethical and ethics and morality aside, it just seems objectively the logical conclusion to come to is that they basically have the same anatomical equipment as us, uh, you know, vertebrates, they... they uh, basically wired like we're wired. Uh, we all share common ancestors. Um, if an animal has a central nervous system like us and they behave as if they're capable of pain and fear, the logical assumption or conclusion would be that their pain and fear is genuine, not that they're just kind of um, philosophical zombies or automatons, you know what I mean? And that reminds me, too, how I used to uh, be really grossed out by the human body. Uh, well, at least the inside of the human body, you know what I mean? Uh, it used to really gross me out to think, of the, think about the fact that we're basically bags of organs. We have all these different organs and you know inside us and just nasty stuff and i used to think well if there's like a god why not make us like big gummy bears or something why not make us like uh one kind of solid thing with uh, a consciousness inside it why all these gross slithering slimy entrails and shit like that you know what i mean uh it's it's kind of like this um David Cronenberg-esque body horror nightmare or something going on inside us. But on that cheery note, I guess I'll call it a wrap. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, as always, for listening. You guys know the drill. You can like the Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you want to support the show monetarily, you probably need it more <laughs> 
<laughs> never since I'm uh, temporarily on unemployment for the foreseeable future until uh, you know everything goes back to normal or we get the okay to that's all right to do construction again. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash the week in doubt and support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. Or you can also go to Podbean and scroll to the bottom of the Podbean page. There's all that alliteration and use the PayPal widget to make a, a one-time donation. Uh, but all right, brothers and sisters. And, and oh, I just want to say, if you've also been laid off or you're having personal money trouble because of this corona situation don't go out of your way to help me. I want you to think about yourself and your families. But if you're a person that's, you know, doing all right, rolling in the dough, working at home, eh, eh, maybe, maybe. All right, until next time.